0: Last week, we, uh, we started um, looking at uh, Hebrews 12, 1, and uh, didn't even get to chap- uh, verse 2, but we're going to hit that today. So real super quick, I want to I run through one, and what we were talking about was running the ra- your race, not someone else's race. In other words, every one of us have different races, and our races change through our life. How many of y'all have different seasons? <laughs> Gary, you run the same race you were running even five years ago? No, man. You're going to run the same race next year you're running right now? No, well, I don't know. Maybe you might be there uh, catching snook up, up there at uh, Dolman. I don't know. But the races change, man. The, the, whatever God's calling us to do. Sometimes he's calling us to run a sprint. Sometimes it's a short, it's a little bit longer distance race. Sometimes it's just the same marathon forever. But the race as a whole is a big marathon. And that's what God's called us to run. And it's interesting. I didn't tell you guys last week, but... In Hebrews chapter one, when uh, the writer uses the word race, the word race means as agnon in the Greek. And uh, 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 you you run races, right? You guys run races, right? And you're getting ready to run a big race, right? All right, Anna. And uh, is there any agony in the race that you run sometimes? Yeah, there's a lot. Is there any agony in the training? And how about when you're going for it and you're actually in the race? Well, the the word agnon is the word we get agony from. So this isn't like, you know, a little race where we're throwing daisy petals and, you know. He tells us that the race we run, the one that God continually puts us in, is agnon. It's one that is going to cause us some agony. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some energy. It's not just a cakewalk. But what he does say is what you get in the end is well worth everything that you put into it. Uh, when you finish it, don't you have a big race coming up, Anna? Next it, Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday. So she won't be here next Sunday. But uh, Well, you can finish early, right? Finish good and come to church. No, I'm just asking. How long is the race next week? Um, Twelve hours. Yeah, and, and about, oh my goodness, a 12 you're going to run for 12 hours? Swim, bike, and run for twelve. And and, and and what do you get? You get the universe for this? I mean, is that the, what's the prize? What do you get for it? You get a medal. But but what's the should, dude? There should they should at least have pizza at the end. Dude, I'm thinking. But 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 in this for for you though, what's the prize for you? The the satisf, uh, yeah, that you've trained and you've done this. And, and, and so that's the prize, is that satisfaction in here. The prize for us one day is the satisfaction that the Father has with us in, in, in that race. And I'll explain further in there. The accolades. We're not living for, I don't want accolades from JJ or Seth or Sharla. I, I like them if they come or whatever. But the greatest words I'm ever going to hear one day are well done good and faithful servant. when god gives you praise man that is going to be the, that is going to be a phenomenal thing and what is the only thing in scripture god ever praises a human being for faith. Faith. faith exactly that's it which he gives you to begin with so you're simply using what he's given you but man those are the words it almost sounds bad when we talk about rewards because in our mind we're thinking rewards are tangible things there, there are these material things and, man, I don't want all those things. I just want Jesus. Well, he is our reward. We get him. We've got him. But and, and I'm not talking about the flip side, but what I'm saying is I don't know what he says to people who didn't run well. I don't know. I don't care because I'm running well and I'm going to keep running well. And I may stumble and I may fall and I may be in the wrong race. I may slow down. But the bottom line is if I keep going, which it says I'm going to do as a believer, man, there is going to be a reward for me. And the reward is my father looking down and saying, awesome. Has anybody ever had someone in their life very important to you? Anybody you've really tried to please look down and say, awesome. Have you ever got an attaboy from somebody that it really counts from? I'm not talking about the flip side. Well, I never got that. or I never, you know, that's all, I'm not talk- all I'm talking about is what I know. I know that in the end, man, when we finish this race, that if you've run well, you're going to get an attaboy of all attaboys, accolade of all accolades. The only one that it matters from is going to say, well done. And that's what we're living for. So he's going to give us races that we can't do in our own strength. We can't do in our, And he's going to give us the faith to do it. So we run the, our race, not someone else's race. And we talked about that last week. So in Hebrews chapter one, it said, therefore... Since uh, therefore, because chapter 11 is loaded with all kinds of people who have run the race and every race they ran was different. Uh, Abraham's race was was different than Moses's race, but they ran the race. Everybody's race lasted a different amount of time, took different skill sets. Took, it was all different, but it's the one God called them to. And as you read in the Old Testament, you'll see they had different races that each one ran to. So therefore, since we're surrounded By such a cloud of witnesses, such a group, large group of people that did what God wanted them to do through faith, ran the race God gave them. He said, let's run the race also. Let us lay aside every weight. In other words, everything that's going to slow us down. Um, Are you going to be wearing like a heavy sweatsuit when you run? How about when you go swim? What are you going to wear when you swim? A swimsuit. swimsuit. Why? Because that's the most efficient thing. you, You mean you don't want a lead suit? (laughs) that you would go get x-rays and i'm just you know i'm just saying no you're gonna wear whatever's most efficient in that so you aren't slowed down so he says let's lay aside every weight so so we asked ourselves the question last week what race am i running the second question was what's slowing me down the third question we asked is what's making me stop because he says man the sin which so which clings so closely and sin makes us not only stop but it takes us backwards And then he went on and said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so with endurance, where do you get your energy? Where do you get your energy to run this race? Has anybody ever worn out and you've sat down and said, man, God, I can't go on. God, I don't feel I don't have any more. energy. God, I'm tired. Has anybody ever been there before? I see your hand. Have you been there? We've all been there. So where? But you kept going because if you're a believer, you can't stop. Right. Perseverance of the saints. If you're truly a believer, you can't stop. You can slow down. You can drag. You can even kind of sit. But you're still thinking about the race, man. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You're going to keep going. And you're going to get back up because you know it makes no sense. You have to keep going. You have to keep going for him. That's what he's built in us. And so, but where do we get that endurance? And I told you last week that it was Christ. And so... Um, today we're going to look at chapter verse two and we're going to dig a little bit further. So again, the first question was what? what did anybody ask themselves that question this week? Yeah. Every day. And, and, and did you find, did anybody have God say you're running the right race? Anybody get that? How about anybody get God saying? Yeah, I think you need to change your race up a little bit. Anybody get that? Yeah. All right. So what race am I running? What was the second question? What slows me down? down. Did God reveal anything to anybody this week about what slowed them down? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to straighten some things out in my life on that. And what was the third question? What makes me stop? Did God bring any conviction to anybody about that? Of stuff that was stopping you from going forward in your Christian walk? But again, today what we're looking at is really the elaborated answer on what gives me energy. And he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set forth. So all we need is endurance. That's all we need. JJ, you ever need any endurance? Mm-hmm. Where do you get it from? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you, you read the outline, right? Yeah. But, but... <laughs> he sort of got it right. Buddy. But yeah, where do we go? I mean, do you go to Kmart? Kmart's are all closed. you go to Walmart and buy endurance? You know, can you go to the sports store and buy? Where do you buy endurance, man? Where do you get it from? And that's what we're going to look at, where to get that spiritual endurance from. So anyways, what gives me energy to endure? Because when you're out of energy to endure, you don't endure. And we already know that the race God put us in is Agnon. Are you going to need any endurance next week? Hey, what time are you going to be doing all of this? From what time to what time? What time? 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right, y'all, this is Anna, okay? Uh, Rich and Anna just got back. They live here now, and they're here. They're over in Nettles. But uh, Anna, dude, how many of y'all commit to praying for Anna sometime between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. next week? Will that help give you some endurance knowing that we are going to be praying for you? Now, how many of y'all just raise your hand? You're really not going to pray. Let me, No, I'm just <laughs> pray. <laughs> Seriously, pray for her. That would be awesome, because then she can give God glory for that. But we've got to see what gives me energy to endure. So I want to first tell you something that's not going to give you energy to endure. And I have some people set up to race. Rich, you coming up? Uh, Rich, Rich bro. Yeah, my Rich bro. Come on up. Uh, JJ, Seth, and uh, Roger. You guys are running. this. Karen, you're supposed to be right over there. And uh, so so these guys are going to be in a race, all right? And... uh, Anybody want to put bets on who's going to win? All right, <laughs> you got bets. All right, so uh, all right, so you guys got, got guys guys are going to line up right here in a race. Look at this guy; pretty confident. He's doing his flip flop Crocs, man. We're good. And uh, JJ, I'm bet my bet's on JJ. He's barefoot. All right. So in this race, what's going to happen is. Uh, through modern technology of this, you know, I can make these guys run in slow motion, okay? So I'm gonna make them run in slow motion. And so let's try it right now. Just have a practice. Let me see your slow motion run. Go. Okay, good, good, good. Oh, stop, stop. Okay, go ahead and get in. See, it works. My remote works. And, and the goal is to get over here to Karen, who is in the race. Uh, back up just a little bit. We need as much room as we can. All right, there we go. So that is the goal of this race. So, are you guys ready? All right. Um, And and, and so, you remember, uh, you remember your orders, everything. All right. So, on your mark. Get set. Go. All right. Stop. Okay. So, right now, JJ is in the lead. But, JJ, all of a sudden, go ahead, JJ, you're free to go. Everybody else should still stop. JJ's checking out his stride. JJ stick. He remembered my advice from last week. He's checking out where his thumbs are when he's running. He's checking out everything. He's looking at himself. He's checking himself. Is that a good strategy in running? No. To start thinking about thinking too much? Okay. So JJ has pretty much just disqualified and eliminate himself because when we go, he still check go. He's still checking himself out now. Who was in first place? He is now in last place. All right. So Seth, come on. You gotta get in first place, bro. Here we go. Just stop. Stop. Okay. So, so what is what 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 are you supposed to be doing? You remember? You tell me. Oh, I didn't. Tell okay. He's che- he's checking out himself. So 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 he, no no that's JJ checking out himself. But what? Chat Seth now knows he's in the lead. So he's going to look around to see who else is right there with him, trying to figure out where they're at. Hey, is that a good idea in a race? Is that a good idea to check out your competition or check out everybody around you? No, because when we get started again, all right. Oh, Steph, you're you're, you're, you're frozen. All right, let's go, guys. So Seth's out of the race because these guys have blown him away because he was busy checking everybody else out. All right, so stop. Okay, so JJ's out because he was checking who out? himself out sets out he's lost his sprint because he was checking who everyone else out rich rich has a commanding lead watch this man Here, rich has a commanding lead okay in all of this so rich thinks he's going to win so rich i want you to check the crowd out and, and go ahead and give them your victory yeah is that a good idea to do in the middle of a race the, 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 you're, you're only halfway to the finish line but, but Rich is like yeah I got it because look who's behind me Roger all right if we were looking, if we were looking for a linebacker dude he's on my team we're looking for a sprinter it's not Roger but, so, so go ahead and, and, and give your accolades to the crowd there it is the goat greatest of all time he's right there okay but alright so you're frozen because it, it's not a good idea to do that right so Roger, no, 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 no. like the like the tortoise, not the hare, he keeps plowing through. He's plowing through. Roger, you can move a little. I'm gonna move you into another speed. <laughs> <laughs> He's plowing through. And he has now beat all of these other people. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he is so happy to win the race and no one thought he was going to win it. But he's most happy to get the accolades and the hugs and the high fives from his sister Karen. All right. So again, JJ got himself out of the race because he was checking who out? And then Seth took himself out of the race because he was checking who out? And then and then this guy got cocky and started what? Thinking he's already the winner, checking out the crowd, and everybody blew him by. But Roger... Roger won because he had his eyes on what? The, goal. the prize, the goal. What was fine there? All right, y'all sit down and we're going to talk about that for a moment. I hugged him so big I broke his glasses. Oh no. <laughs> Maybe I can fix him with a remote. i plastic welder. All right. All right, so. So check this out. These are ways not to endure, not not. What gives me energy to endure? So so let me ask you a question. The first guy, as he's running and he decides, oh, man, I think I'm going to I'm going to start checking myself out and making sure I'm doing everything right. I'm going to perfect myself in the middle of a race. What happened to him, man? That took him out. But let me ask you a question. How many times do we do that spiritually? How many times we're running and and instead of putting our eyes on Jesus, instead of just focusing on Jesus, we all of a sudden find some theology where we start focusing on ourselves. I've seen in a couple of ways, I've seen I've seen theology where all of a sudden we start focusing on ourselves and our own happiness and our own stuff and our own well-being and our own little group. and, And we start making it about here and now, which Zane preached about not too long ago. And it's all about me. But I've also seen it on the flip side where people like pharisaically are critical of themselves and say maybe somebody here is guilty of that. You're in this race and all of a sudden you're like, hmm, I just can't do this right. And I can't do this right. And I'm not very good at doing this. And, I'm not. and all of a sudden now you're wrapped up and you're, you're your worst enemy you're your worst critic. Hey, not, don't raise your hand if that's you, but how many of y'all know somebody like that? That are their worst critic. And when you're your worst critic beating yourself up, man, you know what I I tell people sometimes? I'm like, you know, when I hear people beating themselves up like that, I say, hey, don't talk about my friend like that. Because, man, when somebody's beating themselves up out of the, they're trying to perfect themselves in the middle of a race without their eyes on Jesus. All of a sudden they've set this standard and here they are perfecting it. How are they doing in the race? How are they doing making their way to Christ? They're not. So you've got both sides of the theological spectrum, but it's not right to try to improve yourself without looking at Christ. Hey, tell me if this isn't true. If you are looking at Christ and you are busy doing what he wants you to do, what do you want me to do now? And you do it. What do you want me to do now? And you do it. Are you not going to be improving yourself? Are you not going to be becoming what God wants you to become as you head towards Christ, as you are listening And he's saying, hey, tighten up that stride. Don't tilt your arms fly. Hey, fix that. Just get rid of that. It's in your way. You know, the way to improve yourself is to follow Christ. It's to fix our eyes on Christ. Not all of a sudden take a time out and try to fix everything and then get going again. Man, I can't tell you how many people in my lifetime I've shared the gospel with. And they said, man, I got to get my life straight. I got to fix this and I got to fix this before I can give my life to Christ. It's foolishness. Christ died while we were his enemies, the Bible says in Romans. While we were his enemies, he died for us. You can't fix yourself without Christ for salvation. No more than you can fix yourself as a believer without Christ in his instructions in the middle. You can't just stop and take a time out and say, I got to get everything right. And then I can now do this, do this. Man, there was a guy in seminary, one of, my, one of my good friends. He was one of my heroes, one of my mentors. When I first got in seminary, he was a student. And this guy, man, we're all getting ready to go preach our first messages. And we're like, ooh, you know, and, and I'm still that way. But, he, man, we're, we're trying to, this guy knew everything. I still thought Philippians began with an F and, and couldn't find it in the index. But, man, this guy, he was my hero. He could do everything. But you know what I found out about this guy? One day I remember, hey, Jim, hey man, we got, uh, we, we got this ministry opportunity. Hey, we have the opportunity to go down to the rescue mission and go preach. Hey, dude, they need more people at the nursing home. Hey, man, there's this opportunity. There's these group of kids. And I'll never forget what he used to know. And he started telling me, until I get all this straight, until I get all of this right, I don't need to be out there. I'm such a, I'm a hypocrite if I don't. He's like, he's like, if I'm not right, I can't go out and I can't go preach this. If I'm not right about that. And, and you know what I found out? I found out years later that this guy's not even in the ministry. That what happened while he was idle, while he was trying to get everything perfected, guess what happened? The devil got in. And discouraged him so bad that he fell deeply into sin. As a believer, yeah, he's a believer. Actually, I think he's in heaven right now. I heard a few years ago he died. But he never realized his potential because he was always trying to get everything perfect before he would go do something for Christ. Hey, it's like having kids. How many of y'all ever had kids before? Hey, when, when, when you had kids, did you, hey, uh, Pauline and Terry, did you wait for the perfect moment? Was everything perfect in your life when you had kids? It's still not. No, no! exactly. And, and I can't tell you, people are like, you know, they would, they, they, they would be like, oh, it, it's all got to be perfect. to have kids. If you wait till it's perfect to have kids, how many kids are you going to have? None! You have them. It's part of becoming perfect. It's like churches, planting churches. We can't plant any churches until we're perfect. Well, you're never going to plant any churches. You get perfected by following Him, by keeping your eyes on Him. And as you're moving, that's when He disciples you. That's how He tightens up your stride. That's how He fixes your form. If you wait until everything's right to start moving for Him, you're going to fall behind and you may even just fall out. You know you can't lose your salvation, but what I'm saying is, man, you just you can fall out of the race, and, and everybody wonders what happened, and you wonder what happened. So, man, don't be so hard on yourself. The important thing is not to keep your eyes focused on you. Now, are we supposed to check ourselves out? Are we supposed to do spiritual audits? Are we supposed to look and <clears throat> say, "Search me, O oh God, and know my heart," and, and and show me if there's anything in my life that's messing me up, that's not? Rep- are we supposed to do that? You bet we are, but we're not supposed to do it in this little bubble with just us or even a bunch of other friends who have a little bubble like that. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to do it as we are serving him, as we are running the race towards him. Don't get stuck in that. It's focusing only on who? Yourself. All right. But the next guy, uh, Seth, he, he didn't fall for that, man. Um, Seth, Seth didn't fall for that. Seth kept running, but he all of a sudden realized somebody else was out of the race. And he realized the other two guys were kind of big, and he's kind of short and fast. I'm just kind of going stereotypical here. For all I know, you don't even know how to run, but I don't know. But I know you know how to write program and code. But, but so, so Seth looked around, and all of a sudden, what slowed him down? Looking at everybody else. Hmm. You ever see any believers get slowed down because they've all because they've been looking at everybody else? And because they're trying to be like everybody else. How about churches that get slowed down from being who they are because they're looking at everybody else, trying to be that lawn instead of being the weed. And so again, man, you know, when you're running on the race, you're running the race, who are you supposed to be looking at? Christ. You're supposed to be looking at Jesus. And and a spirit-filled life is just this. What do you want me to do now? God, do it. What do you want me to do now? God, do it. But if you start looking around... And you're like, oh, you know what? I'm way ahead, so I can slow down. That's what, that's what Anna's going to do next week. She's going to be blowing everybody around and going, all right, I'm going to start breathing easy, man. No. Man, you're going with everything you got, right? Are you going to be paying attention to all the people around you? No, because there's too many, and all they're going to be is a distraction. Now, again, we don't live life by ourselves. We, don't, we live it as a family. That's what I love about Driftwood. But the idea is if all we're looking at is everybody around us, What's going to happen to us in the race? We're going to fall behind. We got to have our eyes on Christ. And you know who I want to be running with? That's what I love so much about you guys. I am running a race. And, and, and I know that as I'm running, I know I know there's people here. I'm not going to name names. I have to name everybody because I love you guys. But so I'm running a race with people who have their eyes focused on Him. And so you know what? Instead of me looking around and comparing myself to others and, and setting the tone and the pace. Man, we're all just running forward to Christ, and that's what's supposed to happen. So don't get trapped looking at other people. But what did, uh, what did Rich do? He's running. He was running, and he saw that he was way ahead of everybody. So who did he start playing for? The crowd. The crowd. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen believers get sucked into that, where it's, it may be godly things they're doing, but the glory's not to God. The glory is the accolades they're receiving from other people and other believers. And that's a real hard thing as a human being to put away, you know, you, this world's not full of a lot of compliments, sincere ones and stuff. And guys, we never get them right. So girls, y'all know flattery works right on us guys. You know, we, you girls are used to it from the, from, from all of. Oh, you're the, you know, you girls know how to fight it all off. Us guys, are like, ooh, you look good. Oh. <laughs> we don't know how to handle that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> and so y'all can just like just lead us anywhere, you know. It's like, but, but the, seriously. In that race, though, when, when all of a sudden Rich is like, oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. He's now not focusing on the prize. He's focusing on the crowd. And when we start focusing on what gets praise, we focus on what gets praise from other people, what gets praise from other believers, what gets praise from, from our boss at work, what gets praise. How many people like to be praised? Anybody here like to be praised? There's nothing wrong. Raise your hand. You like praise. We like that. There's nothing wrong with it. But the best praise we can get is from who? Jesus. From him. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get praise here, but I'm saying you don't live for this praise because isn't that what our politics has turned into? And I'm not going, you can look at both, they're, they're, they're both, they're wings on the same bird. They're doing, no matter if you're conservative or liberal, it doesn't even matter. All people are doing is whatever will give them votes, whatever will make them popular, whatever. They're living for that, so how much right is being done? Not much. But we can't say anything different about where we work. Sometimes we can't say anything different about where we live. If we're living for the crowd. So we can't totally just be introspective and focus on us. We can't just focus on everyone around us. We can't focus on the crowd and live for those accolades. Who do we focus on? We focus on Christ. That's how we run the race. And you know what? There's a lot of places in the world where focusing on Christ isn't very popular. It'll get you killed. You read the New Testament in context. The New Testament in context is written to persecuted believers. All these verses where, oh, I can do all things through Christ through strength. Dude, it's persecuted believers. The whole Bible's written to persecuted believers. Most of it in the New Testament when you read it in context. So what gives me energy to endure? And Hebrews 12, 2, let me read this. It says, looking to Jesus. Yeah, simple as that. Looking to Jesus, seeing life from his perspective. And so if you're going to help a brother or sister run the race, you're going to help them see it from whose perspective? Who are you going to help them look to? Jesus. Instead of getting sucked into their mess, looking at themselves, looking at others, looking at the crowd, you're going to help people look to Jesus. Which is what we're supposed to be doing. Looking to Jesus. Look at this. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Okay. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I've broken this down to really two things that give me endurance. The first one is looking what? Only Only to Jesus. And only to Jesus. And then if he has me look anywhere else, then I'm looking. If he has me do anything else, I'm doing it. He has me going anywhere else, I'm going there. But I've got to look first and foremost and only to him in this. It says looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's where we're supposed to be looking in this race, where we ask ourselves, what race am I running? What's slowing me down? What's making me stop? Where am I going to get my endurance? Where am I going to get my energy? It's from looking to Jesus. That's how that that's how all of those Old Testament saints got their faith, looking to the fact that there was going to be a Messiah. We look back to what there was. We looked at what he's doing for us in heaven. And Jesus got his effort and energy, we're going to see in a little bit, looking to what the Father, looking to what was going to happen after it was all over. But we look to Jesus. And again, this word looking to in the, in the Greek is talking about a word looking only. It means to look away from anything else. It, it, it means only it, look away from I'm looking at Tom. No, nope, i got to look at Jesus. I'm, I'm looking over at John. i got to look at Jesus. And if Jesus now tells me, look at Tom, look at Karen and John, look at Ashley. That's what I do, because that's how I look to him. But I've got to look to him first and foremost. That's Matthew 6, 33. Seek what? First. Seek only. Seek always the kingdom of and his, and then everything you need will be added unto you. Well, if I'm only looking at Jesus, I'm going to miss. You're not going to miss anything. You're going to have everything he wants you to have. You either believe that in scripture or you don't. But it's when we look at other stuff that we get distracted. It's when we look at other stuff, we get slowed down. We look at other stuff, we get lured away and we, and we get stopped. And our race isn't as efficient. So he says, looking to Jesus... The founder and perfecter of faith. <clears throat> Does anybody have another translation uh, instead of founder? Yeah, what do you have, Ellie? Uh, wait a author. Yeah, author. Y'all have author? Yeah, you know what? So he wrote the book and then he fulfilled it. He wrote the test booklet and then he got, he got all the answers right. He wrote it and fulfilled it. He's the one who invented the whole system of faith. He's the founder. He's the beginner. He's the originator in all of this. He's the one who created it. He's the one who test drove it. (laughs) He did it better than anyone has ever done it. All those Old Testament saints, that's what he's saying in this passage. Those guys were great, but did Moses ever mess up? Oh, yeah, the one time he's supposed to speak to the rock, but he was so ticked off, he did what? Struck it, blew God's illustration. You understand that's why he didn't get to go in the promised land. He blew God's illustration. Were any of those guys perfect? No, none of them were perfect at all. And, but was Jesus perfect? So he's saying, guys, you have the best example. You have the best one. to. You can, you can try to follow Moses. You can try to follow Joshua. You can try to follow Elijah. All those people, they messed up. They were good, but they weren't great and they weren't perfect. So look to the one who's perfect. Look for the one who created the system of faith. Look for the one who made it work for you. Hey, let me ask you a question. Why did you give your life to Christ? Did you do it on your own? Was it in you? Was it in you at all? Where did you get the desire from? you got the desire from him. Uh, And and when you die, what's going to happen to you? You're dead. Can you do anything about it after you're dead when you're laying there? And you mean you're trusting that someone is going to be able to raise you up and take you to heaven. What makes you trust Jesus can do that? Okay, and, and and plus, he did it already. He did it. He raised himself from the dead. So, man, and, and he could overcome nature. He could overcome everything. Every bit of the miracles he did was for the final miracle of raising himself from the dead to prove to everyone he could do it. So when you die, you're going to heaven because because. He gave you faith to put to to believe in him, to believe what he did on the cross, paid for your sins. And and you have the ability to believe that when you are dead and can't do anything on your own, he's going to raise you up. Anybody here believe that? You know, the world is foolishness. But to us, there's that. That's the foundation of our faith. If that's not true, our faith is foolishness. It's gone. It means nothing. There's no foundation to it. And so he says, look to Jesus, the one who invented faith, the originator, the one who proved it, the one who lived it perfectly. He's a way better example than Moses or any of those other guys. So while you're running this race, you can look to Jesus. How do we look to Jesus? Where, do we have any record of Jesus? Yes, sir. Yeah, we've got the whole word. We've got his words. We've got. So we have his examples. We have the words that he gave. Also, the apostle Paul and other people, Peter, we have the whole Bible, which are his words that we can live by. And, and who's living inside of us to make that make sense to us? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. If you've got the Holy Spirit, he's interpreting it. So is there any time that he's going to leave you hanging and not tell you what to do? No, he promised in John 14, 26, Jesus, when he was trying to tell the disciples, look, guys, I'm going away. I know you guys have been so used to me physically being here, holding your hand. And if we need to take care of something, you know, I'll take care of it. But someone better than me is coming. Another comforter, someone exactly like me is coming. And and they didn't understand. They're still trying to figure out how can we live without Jesus? He said, no, it's going to be another another Jesus. Only he's going to live inside of you. The paraclete is going to walk alongside you. And he's going to teach you everything you need to know. How many of y'all believe God will teach you everything you need to know at any given time? Yeah. He promised that he'll teach us everything we need to know at any given time. And for those of us that are older, how many of y'all ever forgot anything he taught you? You ever forgot anything he taught you? He promises to bring those to our remembrance in John 14, 26. You want to go read all about the Holy Spirit that lives in us? Jesus made all of that possible. And so, is there any need for us to look anywhere else but Jesus? No. But if you're looking to Jesus, and that's your focus, is he going to have you look at yourself? Yeah. Dude, he has me look at myself all the time and say, these are some things you better fix, boy. (laughs) These are some things that, that are misrepresenting me to the world. So if I'm looking to Jesus, don't worry about it. It's like, oh, no, I'm looking to Jesus. I'm perfect. I'm fine. No, he's going to be fixing me in my race. If you're looking to Jesus, is he going to have you help and pay attention to people around you? Yeah, That's what it's about. You love God. He then causes you to love who? Other people. But if you try to love other people without trying to love God, you don't love those people because you don't have the love of God in you. You've got to love God. It's got to come first. All this great sound equipment that we have. What's the key to all of it? It has to be what? It has to be plugged in. If we didn't have it plugged in, would it be any good to us? Would it even work? No. It can do all these things, but that's us. We have to be plugged in. In the race, we have to be focused on Him. And then He plugs us in to whatever else we need to be plugged into. Is He going to have you minister to crowds sometimes? Who's going to Haiti? Debbie, you ready to preach in Haiti? And now Sister Debbie is going to come up and speak. You won't even have to you speak in English. You may have 200 ladies that you and Santa are going to be leading in a Bible study. And, 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 you know, I don't know. I may have to send you guys 20 miles away, and you're just going to have to trust me, man. And I'll see you later. Now we pita. See you later. <laughs> Don't laugh, Kathy. You're just going to, I already got plans for you, man. No, I'm just, uh, but so again, looking to Jesus, if you're looking to him, he's going to have you with people. He's, he's going to have you checking yourself out. He's going to have you check, helping other people. He's in learning from other people and enjoying other people. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with even the crowd, but the purpose is not going to be to bring glory to you. It's going to be to bring glory to him in all of this. So, man, look to the founder, the one who invented this, and, and perfecter. That, that perfecter, there's a lot of ways we can look at this, but if, the finisher, <laughs> that's another translation of it finisher. And he finished faith. You guys remember when he was on the cross? Remember the first thing he said while he's up on the cross, man? Think about this if you want to think about faith. Someone worthy to look to. You remember he's up on the cross in the very first. They're spinning on him. They're making fun of him. By the way, most people believe that the cross. When you walked by somebody on a cross, you saw him eye level. So you're looking. Not. It wasn't way up on it. You know. We look at this big hill like with. You know. You're looking. No, dude. You're walking right by eye level, looking at someone who was beat beyond recognition, who claimed to be God, and some of you even put your faith in him, and here he is hanging. Beat beyond recognition, doing nothing. And he's up on this cross and he's he's going down like this. And as he's going down, his diaphragm is suffocating his lungs. And on his wrist that they're hammered with nails, he's trying to pull himself up and go to get another breath, man, holding himself all there. And you're looking at him and people are like, man, that ain't God. They're spitting at him. They're making fun of him saying, man, if you could save yourself, we might believe you could save us. And while they're doing all of this, the very first thing he ever said to them was what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're talking about. Maybe some of these folks are going to get it after the resurrection. Even his own half-brother, James, didn't get it after the resurrection. Jane was probably thinking, oh, my goodness, and everybody's going to associate me with this Jesus guy because I grew up in the same house with him. And I have the same mom and stepdad. Man, he's like, you know... After the resurrection, buddy, James believed. And so Jesus is like, Father, forgive him, because right now they just don't get it. And, and then what happened? All of a sudden, the guys on the cross next to him, that one guy started making fun of him, right? And he's like, oh, dude, you know, you should save us. You can't even save yourself again. And what did the other one say? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, he said, man, we deserve what we got. This guy didn't do anything. And he had an ounce of faith, which was enough. And the guy looked at Jesus and he said, hey, will will you take me to paradise when you go? I know who you are. He said that in in what he said. I understand who you are and I want you to take me to paradise when you go. And what did Jesus say to him? This day. Yeah, there ain't no purgatory about it. (laughs) This day you will be in paradise with me. And he took him. And, And then you want to know who else Jesus is? This great Jesus that we're supposed to be looking to? Is he worth looking to yet? The one who, who who forgives people who don't know what they're doing, man. The one who forgives you to give you eternal life. What was the next thing? He's there. He had had. A, how many of you would say Jesus had a rough night? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, dude, first it started out with all of his disciples the night before. And he's trying to tell them, guys, look, tomorrow, I've been trying to tell you this. And every time I mention death, burial, and resurrection, you guys kind of go, la, 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 la. And you're like, you know, thinking I'm bringing a kingdom in and all this. Uh, it's not like that. I'm trying to make some sense to you. And, and And while he's trying to have this nice, intimate dinner with them and talk to them, and he's washing their feet. And he's really, he knows he, they don't get it. He's trying to teach them about the Holy Spirit, which is when most of the end of John was all written. And the Holy Spirit's trying to teach them, don't be afraid when I'm gone, because this is who's going to be here with you, you know, and all of this. And, and he's there. What were his disciples? Were they listening, Brandon? Were they listening intently on what he's saying? No, instead, what were they doing, guys? Arguing who's going to be first, because when, when he ushers the kingdom in, you know? They're not paying attention. They're not listening. And then he goes and he wants to pray with them. Y'all ever just need somebody to pray with? You ever want somebody to just pray with you? And he's praying. He wants them to pray. And, and what happened? Yeah, they didn't want They weren't even going to pray. They're still just trying to take it all in. He's praying so intently that sweat, Luke tells us, that blood is coming out of his sweat. And we know that's physically possible. It, 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 Have you ever heard of that, Christine? You've never seen it. Look it up and check it out for me and give me more detail. But I understand that it's physically possible, but the situation has to be so agonizing for that to even happen. And that's where Jesus was. And he wanted to do the Father's will. Father, if there's any other way than to me be covered with sin and separated from you, if there's any other way to reconcile these people to you, I'm game. I'm good. I know you can do anything, but if this is the only way... I'm okay with that because your will is what I live for. The same way Jesus only did what God the Father wants, the same way we look to Jesus only. Jesus wasn't looking at, hey, Pilate, what do you think we should do? Oh, Herod, what do you think we should do? Hey, God, Father, what do you think we should do? And he takes the best options like we do sometimes. No, he only did. Never took a vote among the disciples, only did what God wanted him to do. And even there as he's sweating blood and he's like, If there's any other way, and God said, no, there's no other way. So let me ask you a question. If there's any other way to be saved than by what Christ did on the cross, don't you think it would have been done? Is there any other way? There is no other way. And so there he was, and then all of a sudden, man, Judas shows up. And he already knew all that was going down. He knew the heart of Judas and everything. And Judas shows up, and Judas has the audacity to kiss him. If you were Jesus and Judas were, the, how many of y'all? If you were Jesus with some flesh, <laughs> not Jesus. The, I mean, how many of y'all? When this guy's coming to betray you and he wants to give you a kiss, and that's like your bet, Charlotte. What would you do to him? Sucker punch. Yeah. I don't even know if it'd be a sucker punch, dude. I think I'm getting him in the groin and then, poof, man, I'm just like, dude, you scumbag. Don't even bother with it. But Jesus took it all in stride. Gee, Peter slices the dude's ear off. You know. With the human uh, sword, you know, and then Jesus, with his words, puts it right back on. He's like, this is the plan. He got taken in and went through what? How many? Six illegal trials. How many of y'all would be ticked off if you were in the middle of one illegal trial right now? You know? Yeah. One audit. All of a sudden, and you're not guilty, but they're digging for everything else that they can find that you did maybe back when you were like a teenager. Never mind. I'm not going there. But... But seriously, man, here he is, illegal, six illegal trials. They're trying their best to get scoundrels to corroborate and tell them what the problem is. And they can't even agree. And then finally, Jesus says, yeah, I'm God. And they're like, oh, rip their clothes off. That's enough. And, And they beat him with a cat of nine tails nine pieces of leather with bone and and rock and stuff and the guy stuck it in his back and nine things stuck in and he ripped it down so nine times forty nine however many that is he's got that many slashes in his back whole back is exposed they throw throw him with the Roman soldiers and strip him naked to make fun of him how'd you like that Chris? dude They strip you naked to all make fun of you, right? They throw you in the middle of the locker room in the NFL and strip you naked to make fun of you. If you had had God's power, would you not bring some angels down to kick their butt? I'm thinking I would. But he kept going for us because he was in a race. He needed to save us and he was the only one who could save us. And that was the Father's will. So he didn't look anywhere else. He didn't look at his circumstances. He didn't look at his pain, even though he felt it. He didn't look anywhere else except what God the Father wanted him to do. And he kept going. I want to say, man, he went through all of that beat beyond recognition. And and, and never mind all of the fun everybody made of him. They're like, yeah, this is the guy who said he's God. This is the guy who said this guy. And and he could have proved all of it to him if that was what the Father wanted to have happen. But the Father didn't want that to have, have it happen. The Father wanted him crucified. So that he, as a perfect man and 100% God, 100% man could pay for our sins. And so he hung on that cross. And that's the God who then said, Father, forgive him. Hey, this day you'll be in paradise. And then, who, do you, how many of you all think, Jack, if you had a day like that, wouldn't you think that it would be justifiable to think about only yourself? If there was ever a time to just say, look, guys, you know what? I've loved you and I've thought about it, but right now I'm having some me time. I'm thinking about me. Well, that's not what he did. Because he looks down, he saw his mom, and what did he say to his mom? Take care. Yeah, he said, "Mom, there's John. John, there's my mom, and I just want to make sure y'all. John, take care of my mom. I want to make sure my mom's there." Again, unselfish, taking care of others. In all of that, then the next. So, so then the next thing, as he's in that hot sun. Before noon, as it's just cranking, and they're pulling himself up and coming back down to breathe. He was 100% man. And he had to go through that process so his diaphragm wouldn't strangle his lungs and suffocate him. Most people died of suffocation, exhaustion, and dehydration. And so what was the next thing that he said? I thirst. I thirst. And they tried to give him some wine, and you know what he he wasn't taking it. When's the next time he's going to drink wine for those in When's the next time he's going to drink wine? You know, who, who's he going to drink wine with next? Us. Yeah. With us. He's going to drink it in heaven with us at the marriage supper, man. And he was waiting for that, you know, and didn't even really quench his, they gave him some sour vinegar. And can, you, can you imagine your face being beat beyond, you know, I did this yesterday with that boat handle thing and, uh, can you imagine if I had a poured vinegar in it? <laughs> his whole face, his whole body was beat beyond recognition. And, and they, they shoved vinegar up there. I think that would be enough to kind of send me over the edge. How many of y'all be over the edge yet? Yeah. But why didn't he have, why didn't he go over the edge? Where did he get the endurance? Where did he get the energy to keep following? He kept looking at the Father and knowing what the Father's plans were. Don't think that he had all these, oh, he's God. You know what Philippians tells us? That when he came to be man, he surrendered all of his supernatural powers and abilities to God. And he would only display them when God the Father gave him permission to do so. He put them all under submission to his Father. So it wasn't like he could have done anything at that point unless God the Father. If he would have, he had broke his side of the deal and he didn't do that. So after he said, I thirst, man, um, all of a sudden... You guys remember um, what happened at noon? Everybody's making fun on my level and spitting on him. He said all these things at noon. What happened? Dude. And I'm just thinking the number one word of the day was, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. I know if I was there make, I'm one of those that jumps on a bear and yeah, man, give it to him. Yeah, you you know what? Yeah, man, you saw that. I heard him say this. and All of a sudden it's dark and it's like, I would have been like, "Uh uh-oh. Something supernatural is happening. He did something that no human could do at that point. You know what no human could do? Was take on. I don't even know. I can't wait for, to understand fully. I don't even understand physics, quantum physics. What, I don't understand none of that stuff. But I do know that at that point, he only he was able for the next three hours to take on all the past, present, and future sins of the world. That's what Isaiah says he was they were laid on him. They were they were not just laid this way, man. It was like psh. the closest thing I can even think about is if you guys were were tied up right there and how, how many of y'all love to have a septic tank truck drug, t- septic tank truck dumped on you. Mike, would that not be awesome? You, you're tied up. I mean, how, how many of y'all are clean freaks? Anybody here a clean freak? Yeah, yeah. A septic tank truck dumped on you. Can you think of anything worse? Can you think and that that's just That's the way Jesus viewed the world, the sin of the world. And so here you are. And all of a sudden, for the next three hours, you are just going to be covered with septic tank truck after septic tank truck. And that doesn't even do justice for what he was covered with, because at that point in time, it was not only the sins of the world, the sins you and I are going to commit in Haiti of unbelief, the sins you and I are going to commit tomorrow of unbelief, the sins we've already committed. Whether they're presumptuous or on accident, it was all dumped on him at that point in time. And at that point in time, God the Father was present, but not for him. There was no way God, him and for the first time in eternity, him and God the Father were not connected. Because God can't look on that sin. And that is what he was not wanting to have happen. Was being separated from God the Father forever. Man, you talk about someone who had been with him forever. Someone, that's the only thing that got him through, continues to look at this. So for the next three hours, he's now going to be separated from God the Father, taking on all our sins. So later today, if you know, tomorrow, when we're like, oh, you know, God, God will forgive that. Oh, you know what, man? Hey, we flippantly say, oh, forgive me for that. Man, I want you to think of that being dumped on him. At that time, but he did it. the only way, <laughs> if you could get Steve to cut the ropes and let you run halfway through, would you? Yeah. After the first try, after the threat of a truck. He took it all. And then what did he say? And all of that, they're like, everybody's quiet because things are quiet. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Eloi, Eloi, I was He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Had Jesus ever Called the father God. Had he ever said like a common sinner, my God, my God. No. Because he was right there with common sinners as he was covered with all of that. Why have you forsaken me? It's a rhetorical question. He knew why. And a lot of people still didn't get it. And then what did he say? What did he say after that? It is what? Yeah, and it's not like the little movie that you see, you know, on TV where like, oh, yeah. Is finished, okay. hey, Debbie. When you finished that real estate exam, <laughs> was it like, oh, it's finished, or was it like, it's finished. it's finished? Yeah, it was victory. It's finished. When you finish that race, after you're like, it's finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somewhere you find, somewhere you find the energy because of the excitement and the exuberation and the in the uh, what's that word the. Adrenaline. Adrenaline, yeah, man, it's all that junk's in there and you're like, it's finished. It's done. Seth, how many more months do you finish this longest, hardest seminary semester of your life, charla It's yours. When, When are' you gonna be finished, Charlotte? Seth gets a degree. 12 more weeks. 12 more weeks and at the end of You may for a moment, but really what are you gonna do? Dude, it's finished. It's victory. I came to I finished what I came to do. That's, that's what it's going to be like in heaven for us when we get there. Jesus had a right to be excited because God the Father was excited. And God set him on, uh, on his right hand afterwards, according to the book of Philippians. And, and even we're going to see today. In other words, it's finished. It was victory. And then uh, and, and so then he said what? Dude, there's no other reason for me to still be here. This is not my home. So guess what? Into your hands. I commit my spirit. I'm done. I'm out. I clocked out. And where'd he go? Well, he went to the grave and he read read again. But where is he at right now? Sitting on the right hand of God the Hmm. Father. Who gave him that honor to sit on his right hand? God the Father did. It was a deal they made. We could go into all of that and maybe another time and all of this. But, but bottom line is Jesus kept his eyes on the Father, but he knew that was the prize. And God the Father gave him all judgment. He's in charge of everything because he did that. And so it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's what it means to be founder and perfecter, man is he perfected it for us. Uh, let me ask you a question. If, is there anything that God's going to allow come into your life that with his power and his strength, he's not going to give you the ability to get through? No. No. In your own power and strength, yeah. But not in his. And so, um, so he, he perfected faith. He, Jesus had faith to believe the Father. We have faith to believe him. He told us to do something, we do it. And, and if we already knew we could do it, it doesn't take faith to do it. And so again, founder and perfecter of our faith. So we're looking to who? We're looking to Jesus. Um, but I'm not only looking to Jesus, I'm listening only for the Father's praise. And look at this, what Jesus? that's what Jesus was doing. He was, he was waiting to be exalted. He was getting through it. Yes, because he loved us. And he loves us perfectly. But he wanted to please who? Who, was, who did Jesus want to please? The Father. Roger, who do you want to please? Yeah. And, and, and at the end, would you not want to hear the Father? What do you want to hear the Father say? Love them all. Yeah. It took you 67 years to give him all, And now I gave you this amount of a race, and Roger, man, you ran it well. He gave me so he covered me. Yeah. I, you know what? Somebody's race may be 67 years long. Yours may be who knows how long. It doesn't matter. Because it's his race, and your home's not here. Your home's where? Yeah. And all we're going to answer to him for is the race he's had us run. The race he's had us run. And what we're supposed to do is not stop and wait till we perfect ourselves. Not wait and, 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 and compare ourselves to everybody else. Not wait and try to get accolades from the crowd. But we're supposed to keep our eyes on who? On Jesus. And do whatever he says to do so that at the end, man, the prize isn't necessarily, you know, going to be these material things. I'm going to be richer than you or I'm going to have more prestige than you. That's not what it's about. Whatever you get, you're going to be pretty stoked with it. But we've only got from the time we're born again to the time that he brings us home to live for him on this earth and show him how grateful we are for this. By doing what he's asked us to do on a moment-by-moment basis. So Jesus, for the joy that was set him, endured the cross. Hey, when I just described to you about the cross, is there any way that you could pull the word joy out of that, Mike? <laughs> Did that sound like a joyful experience? But it says Jesus found joy in that cross. Why? Because who was he trying to please? The Father. And that was what was going to bring the Father joy, was him doing this that the Father asked him to do. So he endured the cross. He didn't glory in the shame. Go ahead and spit on me now. I'll see you guys in hell. That wasn't his. His heart was breaking for the people that would reject him. He loves them too. He despised the shame. The shame that came from being on the cross. He hated it. But he didn't quit because he had his eyes on who? The father. Who is he trying to please the father? And now, after it's all said and done, he's seated at Where? So here's kind of, I've been messing with this. We've talked about it in small group. We even had a very heated small group. You guys weren't there. A very heated small group a couple of weeks ago. And part of it's because this word rewards and stuff is just really hard for us to understand. But as best as I can, here's, here's my Eddie. If I had to do a little video of what's going to happen. I, I have this time from I'm born again to the time that he brings me home to do work for him. And I'm working, I'm doing things for him. But I'm also doing them for you, I'm doing them for myself, I'm doing them for, for you know, something I may need. I'm, you know, I'm just like everybody else, we're doing them and it's not always for him. So I have some works that I've done for the motivation of love for him, and some works I've done for other motivations. And so what it says is that when I'm brought home in Corinthians, it says, Apostle Paul said, tries to tell them, he said, man, you know what, some of your works are like wood, hay, and stubble. And he said, some of your works are going to be like gold, silver, and precious jewels. And so here's what I see. Here I am at whenever this Bema seat, which, by the way, the Bema seat was where the uh, Olympians would go for awards. Not like, oh, dude, if you wouldn't have tripped, you wouldn't be a gold, a silver medalist. You would have been the gold. It's not where you get ripped down. It's where you get awards that you've earned. And so we go to the Bema seat. And we're there at the Bema seat. And all of a sudden, the heavenly dump truck backs up. beep, 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 beep. beep. Beep, and everybody's getting out of the way because here it is. And all of a sudden they dump out all your works that you've done from the time you're born again to the time he brings you home. It may be a little pile. It may be a giant pile. It all depends what kind of race he's given you to run. All depends the opportunities that he's given you. But there it is. And then all of a sudden the angel comes out or the angels, whoever, they come out with these, uh, with these heavenly blow torches, man. And I'm just going to say they're diesel ones. I don't even know if they're our diesel blowtorch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm talking blowtorch, a blowtorch, man. Uh, napalm, whatever. I don't know. what. Just a blowtorch, if you can imagine. <laughs> and they set your pile on fire. Now, let me ask you a question. The stuff that you've done, Gary, that is, that is gold, silver, and precious jewels, what does fire do to gold, silver, and precious jewels? doesn't do anything except make it more pure. It just burns out the impurities. But there it is. It's pure. It makes it even better. But it doesn't destroy it. But Chris, the stuff we've done with any other motivation other than out of love for God is wood, hay, and stubble. What does fire do to wood, hay, and stubble? Yeah. I don't know what ratio your pile is. I don't know what ratio my pile is. But I know that all our works from time of born again to the time that he brings us home, they're dumped, and they're tried by fire. I might have been up here preaching just so you guys would like me. I might have preached so you guys would hate me. I'm just saying I might have been for whatever my motivation. Even doing something like this, or you teaching a class, or or serving at the hospital, or wherever. If you did not do it for the motivation of love of love for God, it's wood hay and stubble, and you might have this giant pile and it's burnt down. You may have this giant pile and it all stays. I don't know. But it's not so that I can now take my pile and be like, oh, look what I got. I was better Christian than you, Charlotte." Oh, everybody thought you were better than me. Now look, oh, I got a bigger crown than you. Yeah. But that's not the purpose of it. And besides, we're going to be perfect. So I'm gonna, whatever charlotte has got, I'll be stoked for her. Whatever Seth's got, I'll be stoked for him. They're going to be stoked for me because we have nothing but love for each other. But guess what we do with our pile of stuff that makes it to the fire? There we it take goes. it to the heavenly blacksmith. <laughs> and, and, and that heavenly jeweler, blacksmith it's like a whole thing I, I've seen in my head, but yeah. I'm just best they take it, and what do they make it into? The crown. The crown, Crowns, crown, gold, silver, precious jewels. And that is what you have to represent the time you were born again, to the time you brought you home, that crown. And then what do we do with the crowd? Charlotte? Yeah, dude. We now take it and we give it to who? We give it to Jesus. I don't know if that's movie worthy. I don't know. You may refute me theologically. I've been digging in this for a couple of years. And I don't get it. Maybe I'm not supposed to get it any more than that. But I, what I do get is this. That when I'm running, whatever race God gave me, I'm supposed to keep my eyes focused on Him. On Christ, and I know that I'm supposed to be pleasing who? God the Father, and I, for one, am looking so forward to that big high five. I'm looking forward to the hug. It's the I'm looking so forward to him saying, "Awesome, man! Way to go, son! Way to go!" I don't think that's prideful at all. I think that's part of our purpose for living. It was Christ's purpose for living was to please the Father. And there's nothing wrong. Any of y'all ever gotten a hug from your daddy? From your mama? And I'm sorry if you hadn't. Any of you ever got a hug from somebody who just, you just, God used you to do something so phenomenal they had no other way to just, they just thanked you, they were grateful. Man, that's what I want from my dad, my heavenly father. Maybe you didn't get that on earth, but you can get it in heaven. And that's what gives me endurance. Keeping my eyes on him Looking at him as the example and keep moving and knowing that my whole life, from the time I'm born again to the time I come home, he brings me home, is dedicated to pleasing him. Do I stop? Yeah. Do I slow down? Yeah. Do I get distracted? Yeah. But as soon as I get convicted of that, I would like to think that I've got my eyes right back on Jesus again. For Christians, that's the only motivation we got is that. Everything else in this world. Roger, what's going to happen to everything else in this world? It's gone. Dude, my kids are dreading the day I'm gone. Because I have fishing rods. Now I've added diving gear. And I have boat stuff. And I have hunting stuff. I have a gun cabinet. I have, sorry if that bothers you. I have, I have Dude, I got, I got junk. I, it's not junk. It's good junk. <laughs> That's your inheritance. So if you want to sell in a garage sale real cheap, go ahead. But if you'll learn eBay, dude, or learn where to sell. But... But am I going to take any of this prize, these prize possessions with me? No. In fact, all that's going to last is what I've done out of love for the Father. So man, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know where you're at in the race. I don't know what race you're in. You guys are starting a brand new race, Rich and Anna. You just moved here. (laughs) Starting a brand new race. Don't even know what it looks like yet. We're all in different races, but we need that endurance. Our energy is going to come from keeping our eyes on Jesus and 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 looking forward to God the Father, trying to please God the Father. That's that's where our energy's coming from. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for um, sharing this with me. And Father, I pray that it made sense to others, so that um, so that they could hear it. I pray, Father, that we would get our eyes off of this world and understand a little better why John said that. Uh, um, Not to love the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that seem to capture us and captivate us and take us away from you. Because all that is going to bring is wood, hay and stubble. Father, um, I pray that our motivation would be to do everything because we love you. Help us understand a little better how much you love us because that would cause us to love you. Father, I pray that any, all, whatever endurance we need, whatever energy we need, we would get it from looking to you, Jesus, and looking forward to hearing from you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the little attaboys and the little encouragements that you do bring us while we're here on this planet. But, Father, we so look forward to hearing you say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is the reward. Knowing that we use this little bit of time in life to please you. Because you've given us eternity. And you didn't have to, you just gave it to us because you love us. So Father, I pray that if there's someone here that's never given their life to Christ. And they have a desire to do that. Father, I pray they would. And they would just surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. And not worry about all the unknowns, because even as believers, there's so many unknowns. That's why it takes faith. So I pray you would increase our faith and start faith anew in someone else today. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name, amen.